Welcome to episode 5 of Complete Cricket. Hosting this episode today is myself, Avinash Erdarsson, alongside me we have Tom Ritchie, London School's all-rounder. In today's episode we'll be analysing England and Australia's performances in the first test, as well as looking at squad possibilities in the second test. Without further ado, let's get started. Before we go on to any analysis of England and Australia's performance, I just wanted to highlight the no-ball and snicker issues that, we, that were in the first test. Ben Stokes bowled apparently 14 no-balls that weren't spotted by the no-ball tracking system because it was unavailable. Um, this is a bit shocking because 14 no-balls means 14 extra runs and could, it could have easily had a, a small impact on the game. Like, What do you think about this, Tom? Well, I think, I mean, 14 is like too much. It's like if like the umpires have missed a couple or two or three because of glitches, then I understand technical difficulties. But 14 is unacceptable in like the most, the highly, most highly anticipated test series in like the whole world and possibly, yeah, the best series that there's ever been. So I, I think in like, um, then I think it would be um, less unacceptable, but here, then it has to stop because otherwise it's going to ruin uh, more test matches. Yeah, we're very lucky they didn't have a huge impact because realistically um, it's not exactly stopping a team from winning. winning. But um, I still think that because this technology isn't even that high tech, it's, it's a basic that they have in all World Test Championship matches, which is all test cricket. So then it's a bit, uh, it's a bit disappointing that they don't have it available. And then there was a second part to this issue. The umpires not having Snicko, they couldn't, um, the Australian uh, team couldn't review it. Um, Darwin Milan himself has said that he didn't edge it. However, Manus Labashain has stated that he didn't hear anything, but uh, several of his teammates did hear a sound. So it could have been, it could have been either way. We don't know who's like correct and who's not. Um, do you think that that wicket could have had a big impact if, if it was a wicket, Tom? Well, how many runs was Milan on again, sorry? I'm not sure. I think it was on the, the. I think it was around forty or fifty. I'm not really sure. Yeah. Okay. Forty or fifty. That's like a huge impact. That's forty runs. Fifty. Yeah. Forty more runs for Milan. It's like in that forty runs, then Stokes could have come in, and you know, if he got his fourteen runs or something, he got in the second innings. Yeah, fourteen. Then the rest of the team got lower and lower. Then it would have been like much more embarrassing defeat. So I think England have been given a favour by not having ultra edge and having the chance that Milan was out. Because, um, yeah, 40, 40 less runs and England would have lost by an innings and 20 runs. So, so yeah, it's a bit lucky. Yeah, no, I, I agree. But on, even on the flip side, we don't even know that the wicket of Darren Milan at an earlier stage could have um, um, made the uh, future batsmen sort of graft in and work a bit harder because we saw that um, batsmen still playing their shots once Root and Milan got out. Should people like um, Butler, Pope, we're still playing the shot, so it could have meant that England could have started um, the run rate could have slowed, but they were starting to build, and they might have been building even stronger. So it could have it could have gone either way. I think it's just it's it's really irritating, especially for an Ashes series that they don't have this technology available because it's not even that it's not uh, it's not it's like not high tech te- technology. It should be readily available, and most I think all Test playing teams have it available. So why doesn't Australia, which is arguably one of the biggest teams? Why does it? Why do they not have it available? Is the real question. But um, yeah, we're lucky it didn't have a big impact. Uh, I think we can uh, let's go on to uh, start analysing the performances of Australia and England. Let's start with Australia as the winning team. Uh, what positive things do you think they could take from this test, um, Tom? I think Travis Head. I don't really think he got going in the 2019 Ashes. 
uh, he might have got us a half century or two, but he didn't put in like any huge uh, headline performances. But here he's still in the show with like 150 of 150. And without him, Australia would have just got a completely average score. Um, also, David Warner is in very good form, 94. Um, and then batting second innings. Yeah, again, in the Ashes 2019, didn't really have that much of an impact. So 94 in the first test uh, will um, confidence. Uh, and then the batting of the tail from Cummins, Stark, Lyon and Hazelwood, the bottom four, they put um, 60 runs on the board. That's far too many for England to concede at the bottom end. Mm. So I think their batting lineup is very, very strong. Then the bowling. I think Mitchell start getting a wicket on the first ball was a huge boost in confidence, and without that, they might not have sort of whipped up the England batting lineup as they did. So yeah, without their really you know, powerful start, then I don't think, don't think they would have bowled so well. If you know what I mean. Yeah, I was going to pick up on the David Warner not batting in the second innings. Obviously, David Warner is the opening batsman. Um, there are reports that David Warner has bruised his ribs. So um, it doesn't seem like it's a, the thing that could put him out of the second test, but it is something to consider. David Warner might not be, uh, he might be in good form, but he might not be able to bat fluently. Um, and that could also, that, that's not, that, for a batsman that's on pretty decent form, um, that isn't very good for Australia. Uh, they've also got um, Josh Hazelwood, who's um, feeling sore. There are, there are um, reports saying that he won't be playing and he's flown back to his house. Um, so he might be missing out the second test, which is a day-night test. That makes um, Hazelwood's importance even more significant as like a very metronomic line-length bowler. Um, yeah, I think the thing that really separates England and Australia is the lower-order batting. Obviously, um, both teams in, 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 in times, they can have um, batsmen who they can score big totals. Australia do it more often than England do, but and both teams have good bowling attacks. But England's lower-order, except for Wogues, don't really fire. They never, they never really at least score anything that significant enough to give their team a hope. Like we've seen recently with um New Zealand in the Indian New Zealand um Test series, uh, New Zealand's low order twice actually um really changed the match for New Zealand and um batted and defended really really well and saving New Zealand in one occasion. So all good teams have a really strong low order. Australia do. Uh, New Zealand do, even India do. So England, as being one of those top four test teams, don't really have a strong lower order. And I think that's something that England really need to look at because uh, realistically, in, in the Ashes, I think it's going to be whoever bats the best wins. Like whoever scores the most runs wins because that's what it's looked like so far. Um, Craig Oaten, uh, he's also been working on a bit more of his like, pace. Like he, he was um, more in, in a few years ago, he was a more of like a, a, a low 80s or high 70s bowler. Now he bowls like uh, consistently mid 80s. Um, I'm a personal fan of Craig Overton. I like his um, his bowling. So I think he's, and also his batting, he's a, a very capable batsman. And Don Best as well has been used as night watchman. So that would definitely strengthen the lower order. It depends yeah. on whether, how much England going to, sort of how much England willing to sacrifice because they're not going to get, they're not going to get um, express pace from Craig Overton. They will get it from Mark Wood, but are they willing to sacrifice that for more batting stability? I think they should. I think that realistically, um, batting is going to win them the game. Obviously, bowling is incredibly important. I'm not going to say that bowling isn't, but they need batting is realistically going to win them the game. Yes. 
Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, yeah. So um, England, in terms of positives, what positive things do you think England can take from this test? Well, we talked about the low order batting and how it hasn't been great. But look at Chris Wokes. I mean, he's batted pretty well, like 20 in the first innings and uh, 15 or 16 in the next compared to like the people around him who are getting half that score or like much, much slower strike rate. So I think that's one positive. Also, um, Chris Wokes, again, opening the bowling. I didn't think he would have like the right sort of pace to open the bowling. But in the first innings, uh, 25 overs, two for 76. It's pretty good, I think. Um, and then the second innings only bowled a couple of overs. But when you look at that economy, three, and when you look at Australia's overall economy, which is like over four, then I think that just shows you like how good a bowler he can be. Also, sort of like carrying form over from the earlier the tests earlier this year. Three for fifty-eight in the first innings, which I think is a really, really good effort from one. Because he bowled like so well in the India series, and it's good to see that he can do it abroad as well, not just like in England where the ball swings a lot more. The bowling attack is something that um, will be looked on as a positive for England. Yeah, I think Ollie Robinson was a perfect timing with Joff Archer having a long-term injuries. We need we needed someone sort of like to. Not exactly fill his space, fill his space, but just to sort of supplement the bowling attack. And Ollie Robinson could easily be leading the bowling attack, or could be in partnership with Jofra Archer in a way, like the two main um, bowlers for England. Because Ollie Robinson, he is the consistency that he shows, the accuracy, um, and also the fact that he doesn't. It's not like he's he's strong in one conditions and bad in the other. Like as far as we know, everywhere he's played, he's played well. Obviously, he hasn't had full experience of... Every, he hasn't been to a lot of test countries and play, but he looks really good at the moment. Yeah, I would say so. Because, like, him and Archer and then Broaden Anderson would be, like, a pretty good partnership in bowling because Broaden Anderson have been doing the same thing they've done for, like, many years and it's worked brilliantly at the top end. But then England, the first change, good, but they're sort of, like, the opening batsman or the top-order batsman for other teams say, like, if we can just... Bit of Broad and Anderson, then we can like score the runs. I think Robinson and Archer there are very good because Robinson is like Hazelwood, he's like metronomic, doesn't concede many, and Archer takes wickets and bowls very quick. So at one end, you've got uh hard to score off, and at the other end, then you've got um extreme pace coming down at you. So I think those two in a partnership at first change would work very, very well for England. Yeah, 100%. I think we'll go on to um the negatives of England's performance. I think that. The, the glaring negative is England's batting. Obviously, yes. uh, it's too many soft dismissals, I think. Way too many soft dismissals. In the second innings, Root, Butler, Pope, Milan, and in the first innings, pretty much most, pretty much the entire batting order just didn't... None of them was not exactly any special deliveries. It was mainly just poor batting, um, trying to fend at delivery, trying to push the bat out when they didn't really need to. Realistically, it's not... And I looked at the England scoring rate in both innings. Um, they weren't exactly scoring slowly, so it's not as if there's a necessity to score. They yeah, weren't um, in a situation. Yeah, they weren't in like a situation where, like Australia, where, where Australia knew they could, if they piled on the runs as quick as possible, like Travis Head did, then they could have a good chance of winning the test. So yeah. England, England weren't even in that situation. So why do they have to um, play rash shots? I don't, I don't see the necessity to play rash shots. Obviously, I don't think. I don't think they had to play the rash shots. I think. Because England, they're like under immense pressure 
like going to Australia and playing in Australia. It's like, and on like these like very good Australian wickets where you need to score like many runs because it's hard to bowl on. Unlike in England where it's easier to bowl on on most days when it's cloudy. Like in Australia, I think it's easier to bat on. So like the pressure of like not having many runs on the board and losing lots of wickets, like like 29 for four, I think, 30 for four. Then you've got Pope and Butler in at the crease. Those two batted very, very well. But I think the top order, 29 for four, is just like quite unacceptable in a way. It's like they, I think they felt they needed to score runs because these pitches are good for batting. So like they feel like, oh, we cannot have like a very slow strike rate. Otherwise, I don't know, because we just have to like keep scoring. Yeah. That's one of the factors that plays into it. Like, the pitches are good for batting, but when you're not batting well, then it's sort of... Doesn't really matter. Like a wasted effort, in a way. Mm. You score runs, but it's a very hard thing to do. And I think the top order had to, like, like dig deep and just grind out the overs and the runs, but they did, which I think was um, a very uh, big uh, negative in the, mid- in the top order. Yeah, no, I hundred, I hundred percent agree. Obviously, it is not. No one's obviously. We, we, no one can say that it's easy to bat in these conditions. It is hard to bat no, in these conditions. But it's, these it's are, very hard. yeah, these are these are um uh these are England international batsmen. So they should they should be able to. You'd expect them to be able to like in terms of pressure. They should unless they're like unless they're new to the scene, which most of these most of these players have played at least uh, a few Test matches. So they, they understand the pressure related. I think the overarching thing is that the generally England, the English batting order, um, are struggling with raw pace. If you look at England's, um, sorry, Australia's uh, bowling uh, lineup, the paces, you've got Mitchell Stark bowling um, high 80s, low 90s, Pat Cummins, same thing, high 80s, low 90s, and then you've got Josh Hazelwood who's bowling mid 80s. Generally, they have a really fast um, bowling uh, lineup, whereas England don't exactly only, with Josh Archer, only Mark Wood is the person bowling high 80s, low 90s. So England, as a team, haven't aren't really experienced with really quick bowlers. I feel like yes. the the speed of um Australian bowlers have, is is really like it's accentuated the conditions and it's made it um so that the the variable bounces more. Obviously, um that if there's any lateral movements a little bit more. So I think that England are just struggling to face with raw pace, and that's a bit worrying because raw pace isn't going to go away throughout the series. Raw pace Australia's Australia raw pace in Australia is like that is there. Like main feature of their bowling attack, so I don't. I think they're going to have to really adapt to it very quickly. I also think the sort of in the top five, so Burns, Hamid, Milan, Root, and Stokes, experience in Australia. So Burns, I think Burns and Hamid, I think this is their first away Australia series. Uh, Milan, I think he played in the twenty seventeen one, but I'm not sure. I don't think he played all of the tests. But then Root, Joe Root is like. Joe is the best batsman, but if he's not performing in a country where he should be performing, I don't think many will, sort of. Stokes as well, I think he missed the 2017 Ashes um, uh, because of the incident, because of his... Yeah, there's a lack of experience in Australia for the top five. I mean, in England, then they're brilliant, but I think that's the, the problem that England face. They need to get back like everywhere and Australia do have that they have more experience in the uh, top few so Warner Harris Lavashane and Smith um, um, Smith uh, Warner and Harris uh, 
defence and Labashane's just a very good batsman. It's like Burns and Hamid are like good, but they're they're not like huge standouts the majority of yeah. the time and they aren't vastly experienced. Um same with Milan. I don't think he's got his chance enough. It's like he could have been playing like five, ten, five years ago, but he wasn't. And he's only like just realised his capability in test cricket now. And I think the lack of experience um, is, isn't helping England. So like if Milan played a few years earlier, I think by now he could be like, he could be the one that like changes the course of the innings. Like it's like the, the figure that Joe Root effectively is now. I think Milan could be that. And with two of those in the top four, and I think that would help England a lot. Probably get them a few more runs, maybe 50 more runs. So I think the top order has to change one way or another. Yeah. So if you were the selector, who, what would you do with um, England's top order? How would you make it stronger? Well, I'm a, I'm a personal fan, like a huge fan of Rory Burns. So I think I would give him another chance. But for the people who don't like him and think that he should be dropped, I would say a replacement for him would be uh, Zach Crawley, maybe. So Hamid and Milan going up to open and Crawley at three. And I think uh, Ben Stokes, um, he, I think he should be dropped for the next uh, day-nighter test and br- bring Johnny Bairstow in. Because Ben Stokes, I mean, he's an all-rounder. And if he's not bowling well, then he's a batsman. And if he isn't batting well, then there are plenty of others who deserve the chance. So his, his, he was bowling expensively. And as you mentioned, it would have been more expensive if they had spotted the, all the nobles. But yeah, he's got out in the same way by the same bowler. And like caught at the same place twice in two innings for low scores. I think if he like continues batting, Australia will know his weaknesses and know how to get him out. So I think if you're gonna make, I think those are the um, two batting changes I would make: Crawley and Bairstow and for Stokes and Burns. But then I think Pope and Butler both uh, played well. Same with Wokes, and then same with Robinson. Then Wood and Leach. I think one pace um, and a spin. I think you take out Leach. And if you want spin, you bring in Bess. If you don't want spring, uh, spin, then you bring in um, Anderson and Board for Wood. But then if you do want the spin, I think it's a hard choice between Wokes and Rock. Mm, yeah, I see. in some parts. But for me, I'm not a fan of Ryan Burns. Like, I, think, I think that he's had too many ducks this season. I think he's had the most ducks this year in any English batsman. Obviously, he's facing the new ball, so it's going to be tough for him. But he is an opening batsman. And if you're an opening batsman, you need to be able to play. Even if you get starts, starts appreciated more than ducks. So I think I would drop Rory, uh, Rory Burns and then I'd put um, Milan and Hamid. I like Hamid. I think he can he can play that paces pretty well. And then yes. number three, I, I yeah, I, I think Crawley makes sense, but I'd also I'd also think of putting Bairstow because um it means that you, you have a you have Bairstow has made loads of starts. So pretty much every inning he makes something in the twenties at least. So he he will give you he will give you a guarantee of at least a minimum of runs. So um, you don't need to be worried about ducks. And then you've also got a batsman who's um, got all the shots. He's a very he's a skilled batsman. So I think he's a possibility. And then see, I'm I, I'm sort of I like Pope. I'm half convinced with Butler. I'm not really sure. Uh, 
he he's got the sh- obviously Butler. He, he's his timing. Like, I saw him one of his first shots in second innings. So the last week that went before, he's got the shots. He's a good batsman, but he hasn't really. He except for I think a, a century scored uh, a few months ago. Apart from that, he doesn't really score very much in Test cricket, and that's a, that's actually really worrying for an England team which got such a fragile batting order. You need um, even a number seven, eight batsmen need to be scoring. Uh, but yeah, I think he'd probably, I think he'd probably just make it, and he'll be uh, kept in the team. Then you've got number um, in terms of bowling. Yeah, I like Wokes. Um, and then you, you've got um, number nine. You've got uh, you've got Wood, Leach, and Robinson. Robinson has to be kept. Wokes probably as yeah. well. And then you've got the decision: Are you going to go with four main paces plus Ben Stokes? Ben Stokes realistically. His bowling, he's. I don't think it's fair if you if you drop him, then it's not going to exactly help his performances. In order to get up to match speed, um, you need to be able to uh, you know, play bowl loads of overs. But the the really worrying thing is, is this is he can't be using you know te- Ash's tests to get back to match speed. You know that that's where we'd hope to have like a um practice games and things like that that are washed out. So England are pretty un- underprepared because if they had those uh, warm up games and they could have um, Ben Stokes would have been already up to speed and playing well. And then, because we can't, we can't really. The selectors aren't going to give um, Ben Stokes, um, say, give him the second test as like a, another test. Just even if he bat, plays bad, just to make sure he's prepared for test three, four, five. The, he should already be prepared. So, the, yeah, I think I think I wouldn't say it's a, a rash decision in um, dropping Ben Stokes or resting him. Not really dropping him because I'm bringing him back into the side test three. But I think just to allow him to tinker with his bowling and just make sure he's not getting out them. Uh, make sure he's uh, because he's been getting out when he's been edging the um, when the ball's going uh, onto his. He's sort of just been opening himself up a bit too much, and he's um, risking himself edging it to the slip. So I think he has to go away and work on it. So I think it's it's a possibility. Ben Stokes could be dropped. I um, uh, but yeah, tell me. Uh, I I agree with you um, for everything apart from a couple of points. I think you say best are going in at three and Hamid and Milan opening. I'm, I'm convinced with Hamid and Milan. I think those two um, are very worth their good. Then I think I don't think Johnny Besto has sort of the right um, uh, technique uh, almost for number three because he he he. I think as a player to come down at number five, six, seven when the ball is older, it's not swinging so much. A bit off the seam. And when it when it bounces a bit, or when it bounces a bit less, so he can sort of get on top of the ball almost. But I don't think he has sort of. I don't think his technique is good enough to be at number three when the ball is like swinging around. And with the like sort of the unreliable, uh, the unreliable um, openers of England, then I think very very quickly against the new ball, and yeah. I think that would that would sort of like diminish his the like, the confidence that he has. Then um, also uh, you say. Ben Stokes should be kept in the side. Um, I mean, I, I I sort of agree, but not really. I think he should be dropped because from cricket for like, what, a, a year or more than a year, he didn't play in any of the tests earlier this year. So I think he's like badly, badly out of form. So what I think he needs to do, he I, 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 I am 100% confident he's working to try and play his best. But I think he needs to take the next test off, just like almost relax a bit. Watch, watch what Australia are doing. Watch what their batters are doing, uh, what their middle order are doing. So like, 
um, Alex Carey, Travis Head, what they're doing as like fellow left-handed middle-order batsmen. Watch what they're doing. And if they make scores, try and like copy like how they make their runs, like what 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 deliveries they they exploit the most, and like how to how to stay in for longer. So I think he I think he should be rested and then whatever needs to work out. He needs to plan how to score the runs. Because if he does that, then he's 100% worth his place in the side. But right now, I don't think he is. Yeah, no. That's, that's very important, yeah. They can a lot from especially Ben Stokes, who's um, struggling after less match practice. Um, yes. Yeah. The, so, I think I think there's, there, is, there is some hope for England in the second test, considering it's a day-night test, which could play England's strengths. However, they, England really have to, the batsmen have to capitalise on this opportunity because if England do lose this test and are 2-0 down, it's going to be incredibly difficult for them to even to have a chance of drawing or winning the te- uh, this series. So, um, yeah, uh, thank you for Tom for this episode. I think it's been really good. Um, good luck for England um, in the next test. Hopefully they can put up a fight. I think we're all, ho- we're all expecting them to put up a fight, but with England, either yeah. they, with England, either they go out and uh, win the test or they just completely get flattened so it's going to be either one hopefully not um, get flattened but yeah uh, thank you Tom for this episode um, see you on the next one bye